Welcome to Your Music Saved Us, where two friends blast ourselves into the past to relive and recontextualize the alternative Christian music we grew up listening to in the 1990s. My name is Jay, and I'll be your host today. And with me is a homeboy who's got some drugs pumping through his veins. You know, he just ain't thinking the same. Clifton. Clifton, how are you? Um, not thinking the same, I guess. I don't know. Okay. Okay. I'm, 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 I'm overwhelmed by how much this episode is. How about that? Yeah. It seems like you, you <laughs> prepped a lot for this. And to be but fair, I feel the like more it's not enough still. The more I kept looking, the more I kept finding. So I was finally just like, yes. stop. <laughs> but it's 2023, our first episode mm-hmm. of 2023. It's true. Um, yeah. So what are we listening to today? Uh, we are listening to a very distinctive punk ska album from BEC, actually. Brandon Ebel Company. Shall we talk about that later? Okay. This is uh, the Dingy's Armageddon Massive. Now, I, I'm going to stop and ask you, did you ever hear anyone call them the dinghies? Was that an option? I, I, I did, because people didn't know how to pronounce it. So <laughs> <laughs> I'm not saying I called them that, huh. but I heard people call yeah. them that. And it was always a question. And I think we were finally like, I think it's the dingies. You know. Pre- it never occurred to me to call them the dinghies. I okay. don't know. Interesting. Yeah, yeah, you know, like the little boats or whatever. But Yeah, um, yeah no, I got it. <laughs> So, uh, was this easy to find? Were you able to listen to it easily? Yeah, it's actually out there pretty well. You know, it's BEC and Tooth and Nail has all their stuff out there. So, yeah, it's out there. Was this played in your youth group? No, 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 no. no yeah, no. me neither. No, 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 no. <laughs> Are we getting preached at in this album? Mm, no, no, I mean, not really. There's, there's there's only like even one or two lines that I would say are even all that um, Christian based kind of thing. And it's more of a cultural thing, I think than, uh, than being preached at. Yeah, I agree. I think the only argument you could make for being preached at is preached at about like other topics besides. Yes, definitely. (laughs) We got, we got some interesting (laughs) topics to talk about today that are not typically part of this podcast. Right. Well, before we jump into it, uh, I do want to remind everyone to visit patreon.com slash YMSU to contribute, to get extended episodes, to find some other fun stuff on there. We really appreciate all our patrons. And um, again, we're not doing this to make money. It just <laughs> helps cover, you know, costs and a few things on our end. So it's always helpful. So thank you guys that are out there supporting us. We appreciate it. Clifton. Tell us yes. about the dingies. Okay. So there's probably like different stories on how the band began based on what your perspective is. Um, but I'm going to take our perspective from some interviews that uh, Pegleg has done on some podcasts in the last few years. So Pegleg, or otherwise known as Matthew Roberts, 
was kind of in a joke band with Supertones frontman Matt Mojo Morginski, Morginski called Chucky Dickens and the Traveling Wheelbarrows. Um, he didn't play an instrument. He was just in the band and he had a few lines and a couple songs. And he, he kind of described it as more of like a, uh, a comedy routine than an actual band. And so somewhere along the way, a fan of this band gave him a saxophone and he started taking lessons on that. So he's out of high school at this point, which will become important later. Okay. So Peg Lake was actually part of the Supertones road crew. Uh, he, he ran their merchandise table. And in the summer of 1996, on a Supertones tour, uh, Peg Leg was talking with a few member of the, members of the Supertones and other road crew. And uh, they, they kind of had the idea of wanting to form, you know, like a, a, a band that could, that could perform in the OC ska scene. OC, that is Orange County, California. But if you've listened to this podcast before, you're very familiar with everything happening in OC, California. <laughs> But without all of the Christian band baggage, you know, giving altar calls and things like that, which really kind of pissed off people who invited the Supertones to play at non-religious venues. Fair. <laughs> um, so so uh, the Dingies formed after that tour, out of those conversations, and they, f- they formed as – now, this is – take this with a grain of salt because these early days had a lot of give and take on who members were. But – Generally speaking, the in, the incarnation of the band that happened first was um, Matthew Pegleg Roberts on vocals and sax, Matt Bean Hernandez on bass. Bean was also a member of the road crew for the Supertones. Uh, Jeff Holmes on guitar and backing vocals. Dave Chevalier, um, I think that's how you say it, also known as DC or DSC or DXCX. He played tenor sax for the supertones and he actually was still in high school at this point eric john bond jones on trombone and tony tone man Teresa on drums and he was the basis for the supertones so you know there's a lot of like you know did uh did um they did did the dingies form as like a side project of the supertones and it's kinda but you know not not really. And by the time we know the Dingies, they're not that anymore at all. Okay. Matt Bean Hernandez was also in Unashamed in Project 86, um, but he left Project 86 around the time that the Dingies started. Um, I already mentioned that Tony played uh, bass uh, for the Supertones. He played drums for the Dingies, but he left the Dingies uh, pretty soon after, uh, after uh, forming and kind of after they got signed, but before they did their first album. And he was replaced by Ethan Luck, um, who played drums for Project 86 at the time. So it's really, you could almost call it as, as much a Project 86 side project as you could a, uh, a Supertone side project. That's funny. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Dan Spencer, who was the original trombonist for the Supertones, played with them on, played with them on and off in the early days. James Ben Wellis uh, played drums for them sometime in 1997. Kind of, I think he was an intermediate between... Um, when Tony left and before Ethan Luck came. But anyways, in the first year, everyone was involved in writing these songs, uh, which were more of like a ska core thing without without so much the punk. And these were the songs that Brandon Abel heard, but only one of those songs survives to today that was ever published, which is Wake Up, 
from the Skinktified compilation. We'll uh, we'll touch on that again later. Because of this, Brandon Ebel thought he was signing something that was going to sound more like the Supertones, and he signed them to a five-album deal. Like he thought they were going to be a big deal. Um, I, I guess if you don't have punk in the mix, ska core is more marketable. So the band continued writing and performing, including writing new songs that would become part of Armageddon Massive. As the band got more serious, as I mentioned, Dave and Tony um, decided they couldn't continue with the Dingies uh, because they needed to go on tour with the Supertones. Plus, like I said, Dave was still in high school <laughs> trying to graduate. And uh, another member, John Bond, he, he decided to leave to become a full-time tattoo artist, which left them... I just got a core group of them. There are only four of them at this point, which is the form that we will get in the um, for the album, which is uh, Peg Leg on vocals, uh, Bean on bass, Jeff Holmes on guitar, and um, Ethan Luck on drums. It was these guys who got signed to BEC with a demo from the original lineup. Like I said, that was a bit of a different sound. The band, including Dave and John Bond, recorded a demo for Armageddon Massive with Ethan, Ethan Luck joining them on the drums in the studio. And then in 1990, October 1997, the band recorded the actual album um, with Steve uh, Kravick, the producer for the Cooties Let's Play House, MXPX's Life in General, Value Pack's first album, Slick Shoes' first album and EP. Uh, the band jokingly referred to, to him as as uh, Dr. Steve Kravorkian, you know, like Dr. Kavorkian, because he was so hard on them in the stu- studio. Um, which might explain why this album is so sharply produced. It's it's a re- it's a really well produced album. Uh, Tooth and Nail did a ton of promotion, if you'll remember, Jay, uh, for this album. They put songs on a ton of comps, and they really th- I think they really thought that the Dingies were going to be like the next big thing. Well, can I can I pause you there though? Because it was actually out yeah. on BEC, and do we want to yes. talk about that at all? Sure. Yeah. I mean, that was, BEC was like, you know, Brandon, I don't know what it stands for, Brandon Ebel Company, I don't know. Yes. But it was yes. like his more, as I understand it, more mainstream kind of Christian label, mm-hmm. right? So yeah. Supertones got pushed onto that with their second album. They might have been actually the first band on that, I think, yeah. with Supernotes Strike Back. They put, we talked about this on the Joy Electric episode, they put Ronnie Martin and Joy Electric on there. Mm-hmm. This is the only one other one I remember on there, but I think later it was like Jeremy Camp and some of that like really kind of mainstream. Yeah, the Christian the second stuff. Value Pack album was on BEC. That's right. Um, the Plank Eye, starting with the one and only, was on BEC. I think. Yeah. So, or maybe that was still Tooth No, but Fan Mail was definitely on BEC. I don't understand why they were on BEC. <laughs> Who the Dingies? Because they were trying to, well, they were trying to not be part of the Christian, like, be stuck in the Christian scene. Right, so wouldn't it make more sense to be, like, tooth and nail? Because wasn't BEC basically, like, explicitly Christian? Like, No, no, BEC was what Brandon thought was going to be more, like, crossover successes. Okay, so he just thought these are going to be big bands. Like, this is going to yes. be, okay. All right. Yeah, he th- he thought that I I think he put people on BEC that he thought would also appeal to a secular audience. Okay, interesting. Yeah, uh, their their first tour was in spring of 1998, opening for Goatee Hook and Value Pack. And in in his uh, episode on uh, as the story grows, Pegleg mentions that 
they really appreciated the normal. He that's what he called them through the entire interview was the normal shows much more than the church associated shows, uh, because the audience actually came out to see them or at least to see some like punk and ska type stuff instead of just like, hey, this is Wednesday night at church, you know, and, and the kids are kind of being forced to be there. And yeah, some of them might like it, but some of them don't. He also made us an explicit point of mentioning that the church systems, the sound systems at churches sucked and could not handle them. <laughs> I can see that. They're definitely not set up for this type of thing. Yeah. And there's a video. We'll put all the videos uh, that we can find um, on YouTube in our, in our, in our uh, show notes. But there's a, <laughs> there's a ton of videos out there. A lot of them are on the Dingy's channel, but there's a lot, a lot that aren't also. And there is one video from the Goaty Hug Value Pack show, and there's video of all three of them. But the uh, the Dingy's one, it just it just immediately turns into mush. Like they're just so loud that it just <laughs> it's just it's just like that this whole time. I will say, it's pretty funny. In in doing research for the show, I appreciated how much the Dingy's had uploaded to their YouTube page. Like there's a bunch yes. of cool stuff on there and old yeah they got a bunch of live shows in there and their demo you talked about so many things so if Mm -hmm. you if you like the dingies check out their youtube channel because there's quite a bit of stuff there absolutely yes um well do you remember when you first kind of came in contact with the dingies clifton i do jay i very very specific memory i i kind of want to get your first memory though because mine is so specific what do you remember mine is not as specific but i remember i must have gotten this because this came out in march of 98 it must have been right around then the reason is i remember that was spring of my junior year and i remember kind of listening to this as a junior Mm -hmm. with my friends um this was also i I looked it up around the time like squad five was fight the system came Mm -hmm. out and so there was kind of this Again, for those of us in this like real Christian music bubble, there was kind of more of this ska punk thing around mm-hmm. at the time, at least with those these two acts, and like a little more um less poppy, like less polished yes. pop punk. And so this was a nice change. And I feel like at this point, I was kind of not listening to as much pop punk anyway. And mm-hmm. but I did like this quite a bit at the yeah. time. Um it, it also came right around the time of the second value pack album, um, which I really, really liked, although that is way more like really polished pop punk. Right. <laughs> um, but yeah, this was a nice change because even though this, this album is impeccably produced, which is something I want to talk about as we go through it, but it's, uh, it's, it's a lot rougher, a lot more edgy, I guess, than, uh, than value pack, for example, you know? Yeah. Um, but but still better produced than than Squad Five O, for example, which was a lot more like, you know, lo-fi. Yeah. Okay. So my my first memories of this um, is just being very much in that world of Christian music. That I remember reading an article even before the album came out, which seems very weird to me. Uh, and the article had this like very like dad explaining something to a seven-year-old kind of a kind of attitude to it uh that told us not to expect the supertones or five iron frenzy type of ska punk from this new ska punk band that the punk songs were going to be punk songs a lot like rancid and the ska songs were going to be like cooperation ivy and that they're also going to be some reggae songs and that they'd be more like 311 which doesn't make any sense to me because didn't 311 have like one reggae song i don't know 
I, I, I tried to go back and find this article and it, it makes sense to me that this would be like a seven ball article, but I couldn't find it in seven ball or HM. And I only have a select number from that, from that, from 1998, you know, but, uh, but, uh, anyways, that really didn't help me though. Cause I'd never heard rancid or operation. Ivy, right. you know, so what, what, what does that do for, 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 for like 16, 17 year old Clifton, you know, <laughs> I, 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 like I said, I never, I'd never even heard 311. Um, only thing I really knew about 311 is like, you know, like 311s are KKK. Are they a racist band? I don't know. Right. So that's all I knew about any of this stuff being said. <laughs> yeah. It's, they would reference bands like that. Right. And those of us that grew up in this bubble, which I think was a lot of the people listening to it are like, eh, right. You know, like, no idea. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. So none of that helped me. I, I guess at least then I understood that, you know, there. I think what I took from that article is that there's going to be rules to this album. Like there's like the punk songs are not going to have horns and the ska songs are not going to be punk. That's kind of what the only thing I really understood from from, from that uh, from that article. So when you finally got a hold of the album, what did you think of it? Yes, it was amazing. Like maybe too amazing even like i had this kind of like conspiratorial feeling about this album at the time that it was like too good to just show up out of nowhere and even though we knew it was kind of a supertones you know sideband it still didn't make any sense like it doesn't sound like the supertones right so like you know it just it didn't make any sense to me that a band could like spring fully formed onto bec with the killer album like this, you know, like surely like someone had engineered this in some way, or like maybe it was a ringer, like maybe someone who was in this, who was like already like famous in some way, but really it's not, it's just, it's just these guys and they had a great producer and they wrote some great songs. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but what, what, what did you think when you first heard it? Yeah, I liked it. It was like you were saying the the ska songs were separate from the punk songs you know, were separate kind of from the reggae. Like it wasn't mm -hmm. mixed together, which was kind of all I knew, especially right. with ska at the time. And so getting this was kind of a new thing. And it, it probably, you're probably the same way. You know, at this point, I'm a little bit older. I'm a junior in high school. I'm learning. We don't really sort of have the internet. Not really. I don't know if I mm -hmm. even had the internet then, but like sort of learning about like the wider world and getting a better idea you know you read magazine articles or something about like history of ska and all this and so mm -hmm. like i i'm getting the sense that there's more out there than just like what i've heard and so this was kind of <laughs> like oh hmm, this is interesting um yeah. yeah so me and my friends i remember definitely listening to this quite a bit and talking about it so had you had you heard operation ivy at this point <sighs> it's a great question because i did get a hold of that album in high yeah. school and remember thinking like oh my god this is amazing um <laughs> if i hadn't it was real close because yeah. i think i got it before my senior year so it might have been yeah around this time okay did you listen to this at all kind of between that high school time and now like have you revisited it all before we prepared for this podcast oh yeah this is a good album i've gone back to it a lot okay i had not really Really? Much at all. Yeah. And so it was interesting. That's going to be, what did you think? Yeah. Well, I'll get into it more in a second, but I, I did like it. Um, Actually, I liked some parts of it more than I liked it back in the day. And then I had a few 
well, it's just, a, I guess a, a little bit of a criticism of it, and we'll probably get into this more, is I actually think the production is too good <laughs> for this type of yeah, music. Yeah, in some ways it is. Yeah, that was my only thing. I was like, this is almost too clean. Yeah. But I enjoyed it. It was fun to go back to. It was Some of these albums we do are like really brutal to go back and listen to, and it's kind of <laughs> torture. This was not that, so it was nice. No, I, I've just been listening to this for the last few weeks. Like, I just had fun <laughs> listening to it, honestly. <laughs> I um and we'll we'll talk about it more when we get to it, but I definitely enjoyed the reggae songs a lot more than I did in the past. In the past, it was Me like too. skip. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I enjoyed it. So like like kind of as a rule, since we started doing the podcast, I haven't gone back and listened to things that I know that we're going to cover sure. while we've been doing the podcast. You know, and this was fun to actually actually be able to go back to and listen to it again. It was it was because I like I said I have revisited a lot, but then I haven't revisited it for two years now. Because of the podcast, and so it was fun again. Although I will say, my one of my first reactions it is I thought it was so overly produced at the time, and it's actually not. Even though it is really a really nice production, it's actually not quite as amazing a production as I thought at the time. I think. Yeah, well, we're li- we're used to like. I would not say I'd say a lot. You talked about Squad Five O, for instance. A lot of the albums yeah. we listened to were not, you know. <laughs> <laughs> great on that so i think yeah. this was just a level above i mean all of steve kravak's albums like right that we you know were just kind of mm-hmm. a level above most of the stuff we heard at the time yes um, starting with that that cooties album which i don't know if we'll ever get to doing but geez that's yeah i think he just pushes people and so well, let's get into it because we're going to talk about how he pushes people okay all right you want to jump into it Yes. <laughs> All right. So Clifton, take us away. Song number one, Ghetto Box Smash. Okay. So this album starts off with two things that I think really help set this album apart and make it the special thing that it is. The first thing is just this great crunchy guitar tone from the guitar. And the second is the distinctive and precise rhythm guitar. Okay. And then we get kind of three different rhythm guitar intro riffs for this song. Um, I'm going to play it here in a second, but I want to tell you what they are so you can listen for them. The first just kind of stays on the same chord the whole time, and it just uses stops and starts to make it interesting. Um, Then we get uh, the next one, which is uh, they're actually changing chords um, with a bit kind of like an offbeat for the guitar. So like the drum will hit the beat and the guitar will come in on the next uh, uh, half beat. And then the third is a uh, riff that has two guitars, one that's changing chords and the other one that's just staying on the same chord at a higher octave the whole time, um, which is te- the technique, by the way, that's used often by Rancid. Um, but yeah, the, this these all sound great and it might be overkill, but it, having like three riffs to intro, to intro into this song, <laughs> but I think it really builds excitement for the song. Uh, I, I, I want to play it here. Stop it there before the vocals come in. So 
so so you got kind of there like like one or two chords but it's really the it's really the rhythm there that get, that gets it going especially the stops and starts and, and then the one where it's kind of coming in on the, on the half beats and then we get this one at the end where it's uh just playing the same chord the entire time i want to add here so as i mentioned we have the demos for this uh for this album which i think are really interesting perspective into what the band was doing without the producer and what the band did with the producer right right so i want to listen to that say the same intro here uh on the demo and the demo is going to be interesting here because it's actually going to take part in two different there's two different recording sessions that this this demo will will cross over in this intro like they literally recorded one intro at one time and then the rest of the anyways you'll hear it <laughs> So that was the uh, the intro, uh, first part. Now they're going to do So you can see there that like all the pieces are there and like the core rhythms are there. But it doesn't have any of the stops and starts, and obviously there's like even even without the difference in production value there, it just the demo feels like mushier, right? <laughs> and I think that's that we're gonna see that throughout this entire album is that I think a lot of credit goes to Steve here, the producer, is just that he's elevating good raw material into a the great album that this is, and a lot of that comes from probably being really strict on them and just laying down some tight guitars and stuff. It's interesting to contrast those two. You mentioned the technique and that Rancid does it a lot. Uh, did you know also Rancid has a song called Ghetto Box? <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's a common term. It's, it's just like a, the, 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 it's what's on the cover of the album. You're right, right? like just a boombox or something, right? Yeah, box, yeah, but it was it was interesting because on their second album on Let's Go, Rancid has yeah. a song called Ghetto Box, and I was like, okay, <laughs> this can't be a coincidence. <laughs> like, of That's all the terms to call it that, you know. Right. In, in, in one of the uh, interviews, uh, Pegleg mentions that he, looking back on it, he feels like he was trying to sound like a band called Citizen Fish. Hmm. Uh, with this song, which is a UK like punkish, sometimes ska band, kind of maybe more in the vein of like the Clash. Um, but he think he thinks he was trying to sound like them them on this on this song. Definitely, there's Clash influence all through this album. Right? Oh yeah, like, yes, absolutely, <laughs> yes. Yeah. Uh, especially with the kind of the the, the mix and match uh, genre type thing, right? Right, right. Okay, so that's the first thing I think that hits you with this album is just is just that crispness and that there's so much interest that comes from 
the rhythms of the drums, the bass, the guitars, and even into the vocals. We'll get, we'll get into that in a second. But first, I do want to mention that the uh, the bass player here, Bean, is exceptional. You're never going to hear a boring bass line on this album. So that's in that in that area where the the guitar is just staying on one uh, one chord, and he's walking it back and forth with that one chord, keeping it interesting and keeping it. You know, I think with the bass moving like that and the guitar up in that higher octave, it just really gives it this sense of like urgency or or like things are going to fall apart or tip over or something like that. I think it helps like fill it out too because they only mm-hmm. have one guitarist. I mean, Peg right, like yes. just does vocals, right? So it's. There's not a lot to work with sound-wise, so I think that helps kind of just give it a little more. Yeah. Now, Peglig can play guitar, but there's never been an iteration of, at least that I can find, there's never been an iteration of the Dingies where I actually had two guitarists at once. Okay. That's the bass player doing amazing things. The vocals, once again, like the guitar, are very rhythmic, and that's the truth of this entire album. They're, you know, they're sharp, distinctive, and, and I think this is part of what caught my attention for this album, you know, when I was a kid, you know, it was just that, and I don't think I could have put it into those words or even maybe even a thought like that, you know, <laughs> but I think it really helps the dingy to stand out. And once again, I want to contrast some vocals here, just how sharp and rhythmic they are on the um, album compared to the, uh, well, here, the demo. Here's the demo. So you can see a lot of it's there. It's the same kind of rhythm, but it's just not as sharp and precise as as what we get on the final on the final product. And I think that I think a lot of that. I don't know. I, I assume that's coming from the producer, but I think it's that. Like if you had heard this demo, you'd be like, "Oh, that's a good album." But the final product here is a great album because of those those differences. I I really agree with you on the vocals. That is kind of for me too the thing I think that stood out when I first heard it and. And I mean this in a good way. I would almost call his vocals kind of like snotty, like yes. <laughs> just that kind of, um, I don't know a better way to describe it. Just a little, like an, it's got an attitude 
to mm-hmm. it. And they, they're almost like rap in that he doesn't really sing. I, no. I kind of went through the whole album and now later Dingy's albums, he sings more, but, but on this one, mm-hmm. I kind of went through and I was like, you know what? He never, it's just kind of like shouting. <laughs> it works really well. I know it sounds terrible when I'm describing it, but it works really well yeah. for the type of music. It does. And we're going to see a lot of this through, as we go through the album. And I think that, that uh, he's being a little bit, I don't know if lazy is the right word. It probably wouldn't like, no one would have thought of it as lazy until that producer came in and said, Hey, sharpen up your damn vocals or something like that. Right. <laughs> because that's what producers do. You know, that's the kind of stuff they see. And we've talked about all this, but we haven't even gotten to some of the more interesting parts of the song yet. Right. Like there's, there's, this has the, the song has the very iconic, I think, uh, chorus, you know, which is like something, something, something pop culture, something, something complimentary Coca-Cola baseball bat. Right. So once again, you want to listen to that both in the in the uh, demo and the uh, sure and the real song. Let's go to the demo. I think there he's a lot more on in the in the demo than than uh than the other parts, but there's so ne- what comes up next is um is a uh, is a is a bridge that I really like and it's just once again they're just going back and staying on the same chord but the guitar is going to go into this really interesting inter- interesting rhythm here. It's good, but it's just not quite on the rhythm that we're going to see here. I won't get that crazy into comparing things in the future songs, but I just think that's very interesting to to see the difference there. That it's, you know, it's like ninety percent there in the demos, and I think that the that the producer really just helped bring out that last ten percent that took this from a good album to a great album. It also speaks to how well they'd written the songs beforehand, though, because sometimes you hear the demos yes. and you're like, "Whoa, that was a completely different yeah. song before." Where this is, he just <laughs> polished it and tightened it up. Yes, but they pretty much everything was already there. Yes, exactly, and like that that little guitar thing there, that's that's unchanged from the demo to, to the uh, finished song. All right. You want to talk about the lyrics? Well, 
This is definitely one of those albums that I'll be honest, I had no clue what the hell he was saying most of the time, like back in the day. Oh, yeah, I just either. got like, ghetto box smash, ghetto box, <laughs> you know, or rebel, you yeah. know, like there's certain lines. And in some of the slower songs, like Bulletproof, I got what he was saying. But on these songs, cool. yeah. no idea. So it was interesting going back, looking at their lyrics <laughs> and being like, oh my God, complimentary Coca-Cola baseball bat. That's really what he's saying? And you hear, you're like, oh, oh yeah. I always knew that's what oh, he was saying. Oh, I had saying. no idea. I was just like, bah, 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 you know. <laughs> yeah. And I always, I've always pictured in my head, like, uh, you know, I, I got drugged to baseball games when I was a kid. I always had pictured in my head, like if you've ever gone to like a baseball game, you know, and gotten like literally like one of those like miniature baseball right. bats, you know, that has like someone's lo- logo printed on it. You know, it's like exactly that, right? <laughs> no, they were interesting. It was more, this is, well, back up. This is an album that I wouldn't say any of the lyrics. I don't think there's like a lot of hidden, deep meanings in these. Like they're fairly straightforward for the most part on this album. Yeah. But this one just seems to be kind of out like consumer culture. You know, mm-hmm. and um, yeah. just not wanting to give into that yeah. type of thing. Which, looking back on it now, is like, well, that's interesting because I would say, like, as much I even hate to say it, BEC and just everything else at the time, <laughs> it was pretty much all consumer culture. I mean, your Christian bookstore—that's like yes. what it was. And so, yes, I was definitely not hearing this message anywhere else. I don't think. And so that right. that's a nice change. And I, I'll say as much as I, I, I'm like you where I, this is probably one of those albums where I didn't pay attention to the lyrics as much. And I probably didn't go back and read them and study them as much. I still knew that this was kind of a critique of capitalism and consumer culture, you know? And, and, and so at, at the time that stood out to me as very unique and, and I wouldn't have thought about it as a left, right paradigm type thing back then. Cause I just didn't have the, the vocabulary for any of that, you know, I was just raised very conservative and we didn't like people on the left were just, they were just dangerous and bad. There weren't people, you know, <laughs> they didn't have thoughts or ideas. They were just a mob that was bad. But looking back on it today, that's, this is, this is very much coming from the left. You know, uh, uh, most of this album comes from the left as a, as a criticism of either the status quo or, or consumer culture or capitalism and stuff like that. Uh, you you want to read these lyrics so that people can uh, maybe hear them for the first time in an understandable way? Uh, yeah, you want me to read the whole thing? Yeah. He says, pop culture, pop, there went my brain. One more shot like that could blow the whole mainframe. Too much worthless information inside my head. They got you coughing every coined phrase. This new gadget's got you amazed. It's hard to find a thought through this haze. I don't call it gain. I call it craze. Pop culture stop before I lose my mind. If I hear that song played one more time, I'm going to drop the box out a 12-story window. How do I counter the culture or bring back an attack? This is the chorus. When it's put a dent inside my brain with a complimentary Coca-Cola baseball bat. <laughs> uh, and then he says, round them up, take account of the heads, run us out and leave us for dead. Now they want to broadcast me on the airwaves. We'll see. And then, of course, he ends with Ghetto Box Smash. Very, very interesting. Uh, I think... You know, the first part is definitely straight up criticism of like capitalist consumer culture where we're always pushing to have something new, something new to sell us, right? At least that's how I see it. I don't, maybe this can be interpreted in a different way, but that's what I see. I think that's pretty clear cut. I think it's yeah. hard to make a case for anything else. Yeah. And they're, they're even, I'll, I'll say, 
we don't get like a really dense cleverness in these in these in these lyrics, but every song I think has a cleverness to it. Does that make sense? Yeah. It's it's not like a lot of time was spent making sure every line is clever, but there's always like the the chorus here is pretty clever. Right. You know? How do I counter counter the culture or bring back an attack when it's put a dent inside my brain with a complimentary Coca Cola baseball bat? Is <laughs> really good. You and you see this kind of anti consumerism, anti capitalism, kind of anti business thing throughout this whole album i thought it was interesting mm-hmm. i went back and looked at the dingy's website on the you know way back machine like the archive mm-hmm. and and this was probably from like their second album because i was having trouble finding anything online that was like from the time this album came out yeah. but they had like bio of the band members and like some of them had even like the albums they're listening to or books they're reading and <laughs> Yep. Of course, one of Peg Legs was like a Noam Chomsky book. Yes. Um, you know, and so it was interesting. He's also pretty into conspiracies. So he, he, yeah. he's recommending some conspiracy theorist radio show he listened to. And, and the third album was a lot about that, which today seems more dangerous. At the time, I think it was more novelty and fun. I miss the days when conspiracy theories felt more novel and fun. Right. Me too. You know, when they weren't such a moment like of this moment danger yeah it also, to our very society. not everyone believed them it was more fun like <laughs> right, that's yeah. interesting where like now it's like yeah it's true and yeah. you're like oh shit <laughs> yeah and, and part of that is literally going back and being naive because like almost every conspiracy theory comes down to some kind of like oh it's the jews and it's almost always the jews by the way right that's what they all say yeah yeah and so, you know, there's just some naivete there, I think, looking like, like uh, at the time, like the, what I miss about conspiracy theory culture being fun is, is not realizing it all went to the Jews, you know? Right, right. <laughs> or something dangerous like that. But yeah, it was a more fun time when it wasn't such a, a present danger to society. I just want to clarify <laughs> that Clifton does not believe everything bad is caused by the Jews. He's not anti-Semitic. No, I'm saying conspiracy theories. Yes, I just want to clarify to for all you listening that are like, what the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> yes, that is what I'm trying to say. Here. <laughs> Anyways. Yeah, I, I think it's, I think it's really good. The, the last one here, round them up, take account of the heads, run us out and leave us for dead. Now they want to broadcast me on the airwaves. Well, we'll see. It is very interesting. Uh, I think we're going to come back to more of that kind of topic. In a couple songs here. You want to go to the next one? Let's do it. So Chaos Control. I will say this is the one that had a video for it. Yes. It's the only song on the album with a video, which, you know, I guess BEC thought that this was going to be the first single on the album. Musically, I don't think there's a lot to say about this song. It's a straightforward punk song, and it's excellent, honestly, at what it's doing. It's surprisingly slow for a punk song uh, at only 98 beats per minute. Uh, but I think that kind of works for the lyrical conceit of chaos control here. It really makes that kind of come through. Uh, it, it, in the verse, we get another instance of uh, having a second guitar coming in and just doing that kind of like straight single chord thing. I'm going to play the verse uh, for this for the second, for the first verse here. Give him what he wants to be the stereotype. The man in the shop said it's all about hype. Let's get a living. Let's just stand. Little bit of chaos, and they're quite a pick and troll. Need it out, but I got over your video. Just a little bit of chaos. 
but it has great texture to it. It's really just a great, straightforward punk song as far as a song goes. And as a kid, I loved it. Like it was, I really liked the idea of, you know, all of society just being a little bit of chaos under quite a bit of control. Mm, right. <laughs> Which I think is not exactly, I mean, it is what he's saying, but not in the same way as middle-class, comfortable Clifton interpreted it. Yeah, definitely. Although I will say, since you mentioned that, and I've been thinking this the whole way through, and you may disagree with me on this, but one thing I find, I guess, funny about the album is, so I looked at the address, you know, where you could write to the band. Mm -hmm. It says that they are in lake forest california so i don't know where lake Mm -hmm. forest is right so i looked it up it's like right in the middle of orange county of course and i even googled the address on there and did like street view and it's like (laughs) a shopping center now like a a, like a nice newer you know shopping center so i don't even know if that was there probably not back when it was but it was interesting to me because i was like this album has a lot of like anti-capitalist type themes you know all these things but yet they're kind of guys who live in the suburbs as far as I can well, tell in Orange County. And so it was, which is fine. It's okay to, cr- I mean, I grew up in the well, suburbs. So, <laughs> like, so Jay, I'm going to, I'm, I'm going to throw, I'm going to throw a curveball at you here. Okay. Okay. And this, I actually have this noted to talk about on this song. So in one of the uh, interviews I listened to with Pegleg, he mentioned that he wanted to start playing sax in high school. Right. So I mentioned to you that someone that was a fan of his, that joke band gave him a sax and he started learning. Mm-hmm. Well, he's already out of high school at that point. I mentioned that earlier. I was going to come back. Yeah. He wanted to learn saxophone in high school and join the marching band. But his family couldn't afford the rental on the sax. Interesting. Okay. So I know that's just this tiniest little pebble, but, you know, if everyone thinks back about all of the bands that we listen to, even the punk bands, they all almost exclusively come from this middle-class or even upper-middle-class background, right? Whereas Pegleg is bringing us something different here, which is a perspective that we don't get in this kind of stuff, which is not from that privileged, comfortable lifestyle. It's from a family that was probably like working working class, working poor maybe even, right? That, that, that That's where his critique is coming from. It's from a Enti- I mean, it's from a a different enough perspective than what we're used to that it brings about a completely different kind of criticism of society. I appreciate that. I did not know that, and that helps make a lot of this make more sense because I kind of thought it was right? almost like cosplay or something, you know? Like, um, <laughs> but this yeah. makes it more real and kind of okay. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, I, I found that when, when, when I heard that, I was like, oh, now the dingies make sense to me. Yeah, true. Yeah. So there's one thing I wanted to touch on as far as the demo versus the uh, the final. <laughs> um, once again, I, it's going to be very obvious on this one because even without playing it, even though I did just a second ago, you're going to very obviously hear the difference in the vocals on this. <laughs> so you see there that the it's almost monotone yeah right and it's 
has a little bit of rhythm to it, but not near as much as we get in the end. And the lyrics are largely rewritten. That's so, okay. Thank you. I was like, wait, yeah. is that the same lyrics? Okay. No. I mean, some of the lines are the same, but uh, largely they're rewritten. Yeah. Yeah. Not that I could understand exactly what he was saying, but I can, I can tell that they're not what we have here as the final lyrics. Even if there's lyrics there, he might just be slurring syllables together, you know? Yeah. Did you watch the video for this, Jay? I did. I liked it back in the day. I remember yeah, really liking it. I rewatched it again. It's not a lot going on. They're kind of just walking down the street. Yeah. Um, I have a little intel on it, if I can share. On Do tell. Somewhere on the Tooth and Nail, what is it, Old School Tooth and Nail Records page or whatever on Facebook, someone had posted about this, and actually Pegleg followed up in the post and talked a little bit about it. And he said, Interesting. basically Tooth and Nail called them last minute. So they'd rented a nice camera for some other band's video and still had time before returning it. And they told them to go to director Darren Doan's apartment up in Valencia. And he said the parts of the band playing were in his garage. Um, <laughs> he said, you can see the ghetto blaster from the album cover in those shots. And he said the <laughs> yeah. next day they were walking around Hollywood and the Phantom of the Opera musical had just finished and the audience was coming out of the theater. And those are the disgusted crowd of people that they walk through. <laughs> just one other thing I thought was interesting is he said there was a real plan to push the band a lot harder then. And he said Darren Doan was saying the label had ordered four more videos for Armageddon mm -hmm. Massive alone. And for some reason they never did them, but he was kind of, he, he was imagining, this is Pegleg, to have all the videos work together as one large looping kind of music video right. slash movie and the songs would be the same in the same order as on the album, yeah. um, which is interesting. So I don't know why they didn't make the other ones. I, it, this video is fine, but it's nothing like, yeah, you know, it's fine. It's just a pretty, it's a pretty standard. Hey, hey, MTV, here's the, uh, here's the not, n no concept uh, right. you know, music video kind of thing. <laughs> yeah. It's black and, and white yeah, too. Yeah. It's kind of black and white sepia kind of thing, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so on those interviews, he mentions the same thing that Brandon told them they, they were originally planning on doing five videos for this album. Wow. Um, he mentions the same thing that he wanted them to be kind of like all played together as one full story when it was done. But I guess we'll never know what that was going to be. I, I just keep wondering if, well, I'll say it now because it's in my head. Um, I was probably going to ask it at the end, <laughs> but like. Even if they'd had five more videos, I don't know how much bigger the Dingies would have gotten in kind of the bubble they were yeah. being pushed in. That's why I almost think this would have been better on Tooth and Nail. Maybe back in the day it wouldn't have been. I don't know. But like it it's just, hard to say. Yeah, it just. The, the problem was that they were really uncomfortable in the Christian. That's not where they wanted to be. They right. didn't like playing those shows. Yeah. And there was this is like the peak of it. There's like no way yes. out. <laughs> no, there was. Yeah. I mean, this was. You know, this is, well, I mean, we've already started the conversation at 1998 of the, uh, what's, what is a Christian band? You know, we're, we're just Christians in a band right, kind of thing, right. you know? Yeah. You know, I mean, not that that conversation wasn't going on the entire time, but it really come to the forefront at that point. Yeah. I mean, I read multiple interviews with them back in the day and it was always like, you know, talk about Christianity. I mean, you're like, kind of like, we don't preach yeah. on stage. That's not our thing. You could tell they were uncomfortable even answering those questions. Yes. Yeah. There was a uh, one, um, one of the videos I watched of them had an interview, like a live show. And at the end of it, they like walked outside and this guy interviewed them on camera. <laughs> it was a really awkward interview. But one of the questions he asked was like, so looking through the, uh, the, the notes of your uh, album, Armageddon massive, you had such and such like two players. And one of them was from the, the, um, 
Hepcats, and the other one was from some other ska band around the time. And he's like, what are you like? What are your thoughts on having secular artists playing? A, you, you guys are Christians, right? And they're like, yeah, yeah. Like, what what are your thoughts on having secular artists playing playing on a Christian album? And they go, I love it. <laughs> that was it. <laughs> good. Yes, <laughs> it felt like a trap question, right? Yeah, so I know, right? <laughs> yeah, it's just it's you know it was such a insulated world that it's like. <sighs> it was almost like people wanted to protect it from the outside like, Oh, look what Christians can accomplish when there's only Christians. Right. Like it's almost like this, let's create heaven on earth by literally pretending like there aren't Christians. Right. Not by making life good, but, but like pretending like Christians are the only people who exist. It's also funny because I feel like at this point in time, you could have put out almost any style of music. Like that wasn't the issue, right? You had like no death metal. You had that. Remember that band Racket and Drapes? It was like a Marilyn Manson ripoff. It was like Christian. <laughs> like you had all this stuff. Also, yeah. no one is ever questioning the band about the producer. A lot of these bands, right. this not just Kravak. Like a lot of these producers that bands are using at this point are not Christian. No one's ever saying right, yeah. anything about that. But like, it was yeah. so important to have everybody in the band be a Christian and explicit mm-hmm. about it. Yeah. And I, and I, it's, yeah, it's this very weird kind of like, it's, it's, I, 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 I don't, I never, I didn't even understand that mindset back then, honestly, you know, cause like, that's not the world I lived in. Like at my high school, I was friends with, with a Mormon and I was friends with like, uh, with, with, with all kinds of people, you know, I mean, I was friends with druggies and like, but Clifton, were just you were pe- friends with them because you were trying to bring them to Christ, right? No, they're just people I knew and liked. Like I liked them as people. Like, <laughs> but I mean, didn't you feel guilty if you weren't trying to save them? Not once. I mean, I know what you're saying, but I actually do feel like in the back of my mind, I had that like guilt feeling of yeah. like, I shouldn't be talking to them unless I'm trying to get them to come to church or get them saved mm-hmm. or whatever. Interesting. Yeah. And like, I, I understand that and I appreciate it. It just never set well with me. I don't think you don't have to appreciate it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm by appreciate it. I mean, like understand I know it. Like I, like I can, I can feel living in it. I'm right? glad it didn't but... sit well with you. I don't think it did with me either. <laughs> I just was not in touch with myself well enough to know. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think like, I, like I didn't question it enough to say something out loud, but it was more just like, man, that didn't make sense. Yeah. You know? <laughs> kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. All right. We're off track. Uh, yeah. So let's get to the lyrics for this song. Cause I, I kind of fucking love the lyrics for this song. You, you want to read them here? Okay. He says, there's a few cars out at two o'clock, the limousine, me and the patrol cop. Everything seems white in the middle of the night. Always get the feeling that things ain't quite right. The man on the beach now, he wants to start a fight. Won't give him what he wants to feed the stereotype. The man in the shop said it's all about hot hype. I just can't believe it. And then the, the chorus which is funny, and the, on the lyrics is a little bit different than what's yeah. on the thing. Because on the course, written here on the lyrics, it says it's just a little bit of chaos under quite a bit of control. A little left of center been the only thing I know. Just a little bit of chaos under quite a bit control. But I thought in the lyrics at one point he says, "Isn't it ironic that we're on your radio?" I think he says both. Okay. So I think in the chorus, it's just a little bit of chaos under quite a bit of control. It isn't an Iraq, we're on your radio. A little bit of chaos under quite a bit of control. A little left center is all I know. Just a little bit of chaos under quite a bit of control. Okay. I see. Yeah. yeah. Um, 
other verse is it's such a large town to get so far maybe i'm neurotic it just seems bizarre company cars compete speeding up the concrete earn a steady income and then become a deadbeat underneath the street light wait and watch the rat race fellow man don't like you decides to put you in your place always running scared because you don't understand no way for you to see it and he says and then kind of the bridge is like does it make you mad that we live this way are you feeling rather frantic did we ruin your day <laughs> i loved that part by the way <laughs> i don't know why back in the day where he paused when he said it that way uh, and then he says who heeds the voice of the generation that's ahead to be slaving like a servant i'll be better off dead are you feeling rather frantic gonna be okay yeah i i i love these lyrics i think they're some of the best on the album uh and okay, so it, it's it's kind of you know a criticism of the status quo but i think even deeper than that it's kind of about being in this huge city like LA, obviously with the hustle and bustle of business going on. And, and, you know, there's a counterculture to all of that. Um, you know, people not living that life. Um, and that the people who aren't living that, you know, grind life, right? Like that's, that's how you would do this today, right? It would be the grind. You know, people who aren't living that grind lifestyle make everyone else uncomfortable because they've rejected that concept, right? Like in one of the interviews um, with Mike Herrera on the, on the Mike Herrera podcast, Pegleg mentions that he's, Mike was very obsessed with calling it a vow of poverty, <laughs> but Pegleg Moore describes it as like, he's engineered his life knowing that he's never gonna have a lot of money so that he can make time to make music when the inspiration hits. Right. Right. So, so he's not out there working the grind. He's just, he's just working enough to live the life that he wants to live. Right. And I think kind of, you know, we get this, um, the lyric, you know, that says the man on the beach beach now wants to start a fight. Won't give, won't, won't give him what he wants to be the stereotype. I don't think the stereotype is the man on the beach. I think the stereotype is that people who don't live in the, the grind lifestyle are all trash and people who, who get in fights and take drugs and stuff like that. Right. Whereas he's saying, yeah, I don't live like you live, but I live like I live. And it's not going to, I'm not going to fit into your stereotype uh, just because I make you uncomfortable. You know, if I, if I get into a fight that makes you feel more comfortable with who I am because I'm just a piece of trash, Mm. right? But I'm not a piece of trash. I'm someone who's living my own life and you can't, you can't look down on me with your judgment. And again, that makes more sense knowing now what we know about like peg legs upbringing. Yeah, exactly. But yeah, I I think these are these are really great great lyrics. Um, I I think his critique of the status quo is 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 pretty fun too. Yeah. Well, we'll go into a song that I don't think the lyrics are nearly as good, but I like the song number three, Bulletproof. <laughs> yeah, first ska song, right? <laughs> and with ska comes horns because there's rules to this. Okay. Right. Um. <laughs> Uh, and once again, I feel compelled to like point out like how tight this is. Listen to this intro guitar and just like how the upbeats are almost like little periods. They're, they're, it's not like blump, blump. It's like, dun, dun, dun. No, you don't, you don't even kind of hear the up pull on the strings. It's just like, it just happens all at once. Just like, anyways, listen to this. I love the symbol too. Yeah. 
This is one where the demo, I, I don't even have to play the demo for you because it literally sounds identical to the final version. It, the, the horns are maybe a little bit different, but it's just this song is, is uh, what they wrote. <laughs> this is one, and there's a couple other songs we'll go over where I feel like the melody is really carried by the instruments, like by the horn in yes. this case. And that, that almost, in fact, I think that does stick out in my memory of the song more than just like the chorus, you know, mm-hmm. the horn, like it's just oh, so yeah. unique and it just really catchy, you know? Yeah. I mean, the, the chorus in this is as simple as it gets. He thinks he's bulletproof. Right. It's more a mess. He thinks he's bulletproof, right? It's, but the, 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 the verse, the, the, the bounciness of the, of the vocals in the verse and the horns all come together like, yeah, that's what forms this song. Yeah. And I also love that we, we get a second vocalist for the, uh, for the second verse here. Let's listen. Also listen to this bass while we're listening to this. So, question I had when I was going back looking at the liner notes, I'm pretty sure that's Dave Chevalier, or however you say, I apologize, Mm -hmm. Dave, I can never pronounce your name, but singing the second um, verse, because I watch videos from back in the day, he's singing on it, he sings on the other albums, I'm like, positive that's him, but he's not actually really credited as being a member of the Dingies on this, even though he's. I mean, right. he sings on a song. I think he may even do one whole song later on the album because I don't know who's singing on another <laughs> one. It's clearly not Pegleg. Well, I this also caught my attention, Jay, and I watched very closely to the videos as you did probably too. That when Dave is around while they're performing this live, Dave always sings that part. Okay, if he's there, he sings that part. Okay, but sometimes Jeff sings it, sometimes Bean sings it. And later on, sometimes Adam, the, their, their, their guitarist after Jeff leaves, sometimes he sings it. But if Dave is there, Dave sings it. I'm pretty sure it's him. So why do they not credit him? They credit him as in like to the Dingy's missing in action on the yes. credits, but otherwise no credit for him. I'm like, this is yeah. so weird. I, I'm not sure it's Dave because Dave's voice is much more distinctive. I don't have it pulled up here, but I will include it in the final episode. I'll play a little right here. Dave's voice is a little more distinctive, has a little, a little bit of like a, a graveliness to it, you know? So I'm not exactly sure that that's Dave. Okay, well, it's somebody that's not getting credit. Yes, <laughs> absolutely. Yes. So this is a ska song, right? This is like Brandon thought he was getting a ska band, right? A ska core band. This what is, is much more band? like traditional, like kind of almost like two-tone ska, right? Like that this kind is, of stuff. This is, yeah. yeah. Yeah, this is 
definitely second wave ska. In fact, I have that noted back here. I have another whole section of my notes called rules for this song. <laughs> right. And, and, and yes, so this is not a punk song and it is a ska song. So we do get horns. That said, it is a very punk influence song as a lot of, a lot of two tone, uh, second wave ska was, you know, particularly operation Ivy, except for we have horns here. Yeah. But I want to take this moment here to talk about um, what 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 Brandon thought he was signing. Jay, do you remember the song Wake Up from the Skanktified compilation? I do. I liked it quite a bit. And I remember thinking, man, I wish the dingy sounded more like this on some of their really? songs. Really? <laughs> Let's 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 play let's let's play it here and see if you think the same thing right now. Okay. Those horns sound like uh, big dog small pants, right? I think because that's what I liked at the time, like that third wave ska. So this was, Mm -hmm. that was like punk ska mixed together. Um, And so I liked it. And and again, I liked this album, but I think I liked definitely the punk songs more than I liked like the slower ska stuff. Really? Yeah. I liked it all the time, except the reggae. We'll get to the reggae in a second, but I liked this song at the time. I thought it was a good song. Uh, Yeah. I, I think that that wake up, it sounds more like, like just straight up, I mean, it sounds like all the other bands on that comp, really, like on Sanctified, right? Like if you go listen to Frito Boat and Big Dog Small Fence and and what are all the other bands like like the Skedaddles, you know, like they all sound like that, right? Like distinguish that song from remember that one that was like about a um, kind of based on the Willy Wonka thing, you know, mm, <laughs> no, Golden but, Ticket, like, huh? No, but um. It's been a uh, while. They're 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 almost indistinguishable to me. Like they, and maybe and part of it is that horrible guitar tone, which is just like grrr, grrr, right. for the for the distorted parts. You know, <laughs> there's no texture to it. It's just like like a wash of distorted guitar. That's it. That's all you get. <laughs> I don't know. I that always annoyed me personally. Well, production hands down is way better on this for sure. Yeah, but you're right. So Brandon so, thinks he's getting third wave ska, kind mm-hmm. of punk punk ska type thing, which he I guess he does get. <laughs> but like, let's like separate. Right. There's a gap between those things. Yeah, there are. <laughs> so obviously that sounds more like the supertones, but definitely more like all that third wave ska that we're hearing from the Christian scene. So Peg like mentions in one of those interviews, I forget which one, that this song uh, was was actually written by Dave and Tony from the Supertones basically before the Dingies even had their first gathering. So like after they had those conversations on tour, uh, uh, Dave and Tony wrote this and brought it to the first Dingies meeting practice. I don't know, whatever. Right. And was like, here's what the Dingies can sound like. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. 
But if the Dingies wanted to get out of the whole Christian scene and play normal clubs instead of Christian ones, why did they release their first song on Skanktified? Did... I don't know. I mean, I think... I can't remember when that came out. Did that actually come out before this? I feel like actually... Like... Just a hair. Okay, because I feel like it almost... Yeah, around the same time. Like like that. Yes. They recorded it earlier, but for some reason that comp came out. It took a while. It took that comp a while to come out, yeah. Um, I, They were probably just thrilled to get anything on anything at the time, right? Probably I mean... so. But I also feel just like the Christian scene at that time was like a black hole. Like once you get close enough to it, you just get sucked. Well, in I mean, again, out. why do they sign with BC? Probably because I don't know. He's the only one offering. And are you going to say yeah. no to a record deal? But you're right. I no. think it, it sucks you in. <laughs> and then your chances of getting to play with, you know, whoever in, in the Orange yeah. County scene are probably not great. Although it looks like they did play with quite a few other kind of bands. They did. Over time. They did. Like. On the on the live side, before they put out their out their first album, they were doing what they set out to do for the most part. I think, like they were not playing the Christian clubs; they were playing live at just regular places. But I mean, while we're talking about it, it just made me wonder: what if they'd gotten signed to like Hellcat Records? You know, the the guy mm-hmm. from Rancid, his kind of side label that had a bunch of kind of like ska right. punk stuff like that. Like to me, they would have fit a lot better there. I think this album is good enough that it. It could have been successful there, I think. Yeah, it's it's interesting. Yeah, but it's just, you know, it's yeah. who you know. As we've learned with a lot of these albums, if it's just kind of like who you knew back in the day and, hey, they want to offer us a record deal, no mm-hmm. one else is, so. Right, and, 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 and you know, um, Peg like mentions that in one of the interviews, that, like, you're not going to turn down a record contract, right? Right. Yeah. And by the way, they were signed to five albums on Tooth, on Tooth and Nail slash BBC. That's a lot. Yeah. yeah, yeah. We'll get to that later. Uh, so, um, shit, what was I going to say? It's okay. I don't know. We're way off, though. We're on Bulletproof. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, you, want, you, you want to read the lyrics here, Jay? Uh, yeah, I would say these lyrics are not that great. But, you know, no. maybe... Here, here's the lyrics. The, the, honestly, I almost wonder if these were written by somebody else or something. Because it says, "Homeboy's got some drugs pumping through his veins. You know, he just ain't thinking the same. Gonna feel like Superman today, faster than a bullet, more power than a train. Now he feels like he can fly. He finds the stairs and begins to climb. As he steps out onto the roof, it's more a mess. He thinks he's bulletproof. And here's the line. And I just have like, oh, go ahead. Like you, you remember um, what's the movie? Um, starts with an A. About the rock band, you know, almost famous, almost famous. I, you remember the part of that where he like he 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 climbs onto the roof and says he's a golden god and jumps into the pool. Yeah. Okay. That's what I think about when I. <laughs> anyways. <laughs> I mean, second line is the one that I know it's not peg peg leg. I don't know who it is, but it's not him. Right. And he says, "Skinhead girl, come dance with me. Your boyfriend wants to kill me, and he's seven foot three. If this were a jungle, he'd be swinging from a tree. If this were a ring, I'd be out by round three. Cause I looked your way. Now he wants to black or he want to black my eye. Uh, you won't calm him down no matter how hard you try. My face is feeling sore and he turns back to you. It's more a mess. He thinks he's bulletproof. I mean, first, <laughs> first verse seems it's like about suicide um, because the Maybe, guy's doing yeah. drugs and not thinking. And the second one, like arrogance. I don't know. Yeah. Right. Like, here's what I get from this song, Jay. 
Is attraction just as dangerous for your perception of reality as drugs? Hmm. Good question. <laughs> That's me digging too far for meaning on this song. Yeah, I don't <laughs> think it probably has that much meaning, but you know, maybe, maybe you're right. Yeah, yeah. All right, let's move on. Um. Okay, let's go on to song number four, Could Be Worse. All right, so we've had our first ska song, so now it's obviously time for our reggae song, right? <laughs> as a kid, this song blew my mind, I think. Uh, it sounded like nothing I'd ever heard before. <laughs> Not like what they're doing, but kind of just how it all comes together. It had this feel that I'd never experienced before. The the the, the kind of um, slacker, super relaxed, and it gets like when the organ comes in, you know, let, you want to listen to it? Sure. Okay. As a kid, there's several things that stood out to me here, I think, that made up this kind of, like, what am I hearing here? Number one, the guitar isn't even playing a chord. It's just, like, scraping against muted strings, right? Mm, right. Um, number two, the bass is fantastic. It's basically the only instrument other than some, some, organ, some organ here and there that's doing anything interesting for a good portion of the song. Number three, it's super chill. Like... Which for me, as a kid who mostly listened to like like punk and fast ska, that was a little bit hard for me to 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 get used to, right? Like, and especially like this is a punk ska album. Like, bring it. Like, let's right. Let's get some stuff going, right? Like, why is this so slow? <laughs> and number four, the organ slash synth thing. You know, I, 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 today I kind of especially like these parts, but at the time I don't know. There's something about that minor key. And the way the notes bend, that as a kid, I was just like, that is completely different from anything I've ever heard before. Yeah. Yeah. I definitely had heard nothing else like this before, you know? <laughs> yeah. I found myself back in the day like, eh, too slow, skip. But coming yeah. back to it, I think this might be the song I like the most on the album now. Really? Yeah. Funny Interesting. enough. Um, I really enjoyed it. I think it's it. a good song. Yeah. Yeah. What, 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 why do you like it the most? I think, to me, it's almost the most timeless of the songs. Like, they just do this style mm. really well. Not that I'm an expert on this at all, but yeah. like... It, I mean, it's very roots, right? Yeah, and it just feels like this could have come out on an album today, and you'd be like, yeah, cool. <laughs> um, yeah. So, it's just really well done. I like the sound. Um, I also, it's another one where that, like... Like the melody mm -hmm. is more carried by the instruments rather than just like the vocals on the chorus or something. Mm -hmm. And I, I don't know, it just kind of, it's like an earworm gets in your head and I like yeah. it. I agree. Yeah. 
Uh, you want to talk about the vocals at all? I mean, the vocals, the lyrics at all? Um, so this was the one where I was really like, wait a minute. These guys are in Orange County and they're singing about like <laughs> cops chasing criminals through the subways. I did some yeah. research, by the way, Clifton. Um, okay. The Red Line in Los Angeles opens in 1993 and it's their first underground subway in like years since they you know, gotten rid of the other ones, which seems like yeah, every major yeah. city did. So there is a chance that this could have been, you know, based on reality at the time. Hmm. But when you think of Los Angeles, let's be honest, you don't think of subways. Um, no. So, but I think he's trying to kind of evoke a certain like feel with this rather than, mm-hmm. you know, talk about real life in LA. Yeah, I think so. I, I think it does a pretty good job of it. This is the one time where I think they sound a little bit Christian in in the first verse here. Yeah. So there is that. That's the only line he talks about, like going into battle with a sling and a stone later in the in the album. But that's such a like mm-hmm. a everybody knows that reference. Exactly. That, that doesn't yeah. feel as Christian as this. Yeah, I'll read it. He says cops chase criminals through the subways. The less fortunate lie on the tracks. It's no wonder they'll they'll amount to nothing. They've been told they're just a product of chance. There you go. There's the line. <laughs> Skyscrapers yeah. shut the citizens end. The rest will run them to the ground. Strip straight of their dignity without making a sound. Uh, I think that's super evocative, by the way. It, it throws me off because of that line about they've just been they've been told they're just a product of chance, you know, because that just to me screams like Oh, I misunderstand evolution, you know? <laughs> but in side note, nobody talks about that anymore, right? In nobody. the 90s, that was such a huge thing about like evolution, blah, blah, blah. It's so wrong. It's so bad. I feel like nobody talks about that Christians have Christians have such bad arguments against evolution right. that they have to appeal to to consequence you know like well if this is true then like it's kind of like the well if there's no god then shouldn't i just murder and rape everyone it's like well if you're a sociopath i guess you could but why would you like those are people you know yeah <laughs> right and so this is the same thing it's like well if people don't think there's a god that created them then why 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 would why would they ha- why would they get up out of bed at all well because we're driven to like we're that's just who we are like that's why we are this species is because we have that drive you know anyways yeah but i think otherwise it's super evocative skyscrapers shut the citizens in the rest will run the rest will run them to the ground strip straight of their dignity without making a sound yeah yeah um there and and the the chorus is tied to the tracks uh the second verse is belt down the barricades because their lives they tether off time dead and buried are the proud and brave convenience and nobility got no reason or rhyme all the zombies in their three-piece suits, sucking brains while in cahoots, with the dead man cutting corners to survive, stepping on the faces of those of us still alive. I like it. The third verse is basically just a repeat of the first verse. I think it's really evocative, you know, that this is kind of a turnaround of that criticism of, of, the, of, the, of consumer culture earlier, which is saying that, you know, that the only ones of us that are still alive today are the ones of us who have kind of rejected that. Otherwise you're just somebody who's, who's following a predefined plan. Yeah. Yeah. And also there's built into that is kind of the necessity of a society built on capitalism and consumer culture to control and maybe even disappear 
those who aren't productive uh me those who aren't productive to that end you know right and that's obviously dehumanizing yeah it's a good song this is definitely the one that i was like oh this is way better than i remember way better yeah should we keep going yeah let's do it so on to song number five which where are my working notes? man blues yeah i think it's important to mention at this point that uh spotify has the songs wrong um like the titles you... with the the titles right. are wrong on the songs yeah right yeah if you put it in your cd player it's gonna get them wrong <laughs> uh, all this is wrong uh the songs are not i guess in the order that is written on the uh the back of the album and so it confuses a lot of people so so we're put we're, these are the right order and these are the right titles that we're telling you by the way <laughs> uh so yeah this is working man blues uh back to a punk song right and i don't think it's weird that this song to me doesn't necessarily stand out as a single type of song, but it's just so, so solid. Like I watched a lot of videos of the Dingies in preparation for this, as we discussed, and they almost always play the song from their earliest shows, even through to their most modern shows. They always play the song and it's always one of the best uh, of the set. And so it's like I said, it's not really a standout song, but it's just really a really solid song. Yeah. the. The chorus on this one is kind of boppy. Like I imagine like go-go dancers, like where they kind of like have their hands out and they're bobbing their head. Like that's just like <laughs> with the way the background vocals are there, it just kind of, it's the best way I know to say it, boppy. Like it just really kind of yeah. evokes that in my mind. Yeah. So let's listen to that actually. Let's, let's listen to the, uh, to the rhythm of, of these vocals here. And let's listen to the demo again, because I think this is another spot where the demo really is, is, is a good deal different. You know I can't spit today, y'all. The rest of my life, push your button, sing it, please, like time at home at night. What you got on a show, why don't you get up and go? Go and cease to draw the time that you know it's time. I love this time you know. I'm right at times if I gotta stick around. I'm running to the ground, it's time. I love this time you know. I'm right at times if I gotta stick around. I'm running to the ground. And here's the demo. I know it's not in the it's not in the final version. It's kind of fun. Yeah, but you, you can hear there that that the the vo the verse uh, vocals are really plain, really kind of just monotone. Don't have a lot of rhythm to them, but the chorus is pretty much the same. And also, there's backing vocals on the uh, on the chorus, even on the demo. Yeah, I was impressed by that. It's like, oh man, that wasn't even a producer call. They already had thought of that. Yeah, yeah, that's. Most people don't bother with backing vocals when they're not right, when they're not recording an album. Right. <laughs> yeah. Um, I should mention, I didn't mention it in the last song. The last song could be worse uh, is the only song that doesn't have a demo. Um, the rest of them have demos. Okay. So this, this, uh, this, this also has a weird thing at the end, Jay. You remember this uh, little uh, thing at the end that, uh, 
it kind of goes into like a dialing through the radio kind of thing and then we kind of hit onto a reggae song yeah it was like it was almost like the song's too short let's add something (laughs) and i could not understand what they were saying i tried to listen and catch the lyrics of the reggae song but i i couldn't get it let's listen to it favorite uh, uh things on the album uh, you know i will say live the song is really short it, it is, is less than two minutes live and so yeah maybe they threw something on here to make it a little over two minutes you know <laughs> so the voc- the the lyrics for the chorus are it's time i left this town you know how right it sounds if i gotta stick around we'll burn this place to the ground which is pretty much what the vocals are on this little reggae thing i i just listening to it, here's what I think it says. It's time. I got to get out of. Uh, um, yeah. Uh, I got to get out of this town already. How how good it sounds if I got to stick around. I'm going to burn this place right to the ground. It's uh, time. Yeah. Okay, cool. Then I like I like kind of the kind of read it the lyrics with that then. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's a nice little thing. It's It's very I think it's very refreshing here in the middle, you know. Yeah, we've already gone through some um, through some different genres, but I think it's just a nice little like like a chill little uh, fun thing. Like the last reggae song that we heard was darker, right? So it wasn't fun, but this is a nice little fun reggae thing. Yeah. All right, Jay, should we talk about the lyrics? I mean, it kind of seems like I can kind of relate it to this a little bit. It seems like mm-hmm. I got to get out of this town. <laughs> like, yes. A little bit, and it seems like he's talking about like the suburbs and I need to get to LA, but maybe yes, I have that wrong. Saying. Yeah. No, I think that's what he's saying. I think, I think he's saying, you know, I'm tired of doing this, uh, you know, this, uh, grind a day job in the suburbs. I got to get to LA where there's a scene that I understand, you know, which is the punk scene, you know, yeah. he even talks about, you know, like doing something, he, doing something he loves, like maybe doing tattoos and stuff like that. <laughs> yeah. I think it's just about getting away from a dead end job and getting to something that feels real. Last song that we're going to talk about, Jay, at least last song we're talking about in detail, I guess. Rebel Youth. I definitely remembered this one and liked this one back in the day. (laughs) This is also one that was easier to understand the lyrics. Um, It is. And this is still, I don't know if it was one of my favorite songs as a kid, although it probably had to be up there, right? But today, this, I fucking love this song. It's a great song. This is one of my favorite songs on the album. And it's an earworm but kind of in the best way, you know, and it's not just like one part that gets stuck in your head. There's several parts of this that will get stuck in your head at different times, I think. Yeah. And this one, it's still kind of more traditional ska, but it almost yeah. feels a little more mixed just because he's shouting so much like the vocals. Yeah. Very two-tone on this. Very, very two-tone. I think this is the most Operation Ivy-like song that we have. Mm. All right. To me, Operation Ivy is more <laughs> punk, but you know. Yeah, but I think this has the most punk influence to it. True, for the Skull songs, yeah, for sure. Yes, that's what I'm saying. Okay, yeah. fair. I, I think that like 
every part of this song. It's simple, but like every moment of this song, I think hits hard. Yeah. So I want to summarize the song for you. Okay. There's some screaming and then there's some lyrics and then there's some even louder screaming. That's it. That's a song. And it's amazing. That's all. Okay. Should we listen to them? Let's do it. thesis right they're telling you what the thesis of the song is and they're pretty excited about it right and 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 now we're going to get into more of the uh kind of the meat of the song like why why are we knocking down the aristocrats why are we going to watch them fall right (laughs) right stated kind of the backup you know like that's the meat of of, of the uh, of the essay right you've gone through some of that we'll get into the lyrics here in a little bit but now that we've told you why we're doing this we're going to restate the thesis but a little more um yelly about you jay but i feel like this song is just as important and just as of the moment today than it was in the 90s oh sure i that's i kind of the thing with this album it's a little bit timeless it's strange to say that yeah. about any of the <laughs> albums we cover but um this one 
Yeah, this one kind of, they do such a good job with the styles that it mm-hmm. doesn't necessarily feel like it's from 1998. I agree. And I think maybe even by not mixing the styles, they kind of, that's kind of what makes it timeless. Uh, yeah, they, strangely, uh, yeah. Yeah, it doesn't feel like, oh, in the 90s, we mixed punk and ska together. You right. Know? <laughs> it's just more like, here's some two-tone, here's some punk, here's some reggae, and yeah, some really good songs. Uh, sh- should we read the lyrics for this one? Sure, they're short, so... Oh, okay, <clears throat> we can skip the... Uh, do you want to read them? Uh, yeah, what do you want me to skip? Part? I mean, I think we know the, the chorus. The, we know the chorus, Do yes. you want me to just do the verse? Yes. So he says, day after day, week after week, month after month, year after year, all the ones supposedly leading are looking down on us with fear. They want control. They need control. They're afraid to lose all they stole. I like that line. Mm-hmm. They've seen the scene become much too large. The rebel youth won't keep corrupt in charge. Now we're going into battle with a sling and a stone, climbing up and over barriers that we've never known. So take a brick and smash it into the wall, because the harder they come, you know, the bigger they fall. Yeah, they love it when you turn the cliches around, by the way, Jay. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I, this, I was, put this in my notes, I said, I'm really grateful for this song, and this had to have uh-huh. been one of the most explicit songs, like, about class that I ever heard yes. in the Christian scene. <laughs> yes. Um, and so... Kind of like we talked, I remember we talked about this with like MXPX Teenage Politics. Like, I'm grateful to be exposed to some of these ideas back then. Mm -hmm. I don't know, you know, how deep they went into me, but I was just grateful for being exposed to it. And then hopefully later thinking more about it, you know. It created a space in my brain that allowed for different thoughts later on. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Because as I mentioned before, like, I don't, I don't know about you, but like I was raised so conservative that we didn't, we didn't talk about other people as if they had ideas, you know, <laughs> we didn't talk about them as people. We just talked about them as a mindless horde that wanted to destroy us, which I think is still what happens today with, with conservatism. You know, it's much more, it's based on fear of of the other of the outside of people who want to, to, to make things different than the way we're comfortable with, you know? Yeah. But what is, what is the uh, thought here? I, I think this, this is some good, just straight for leftist critique of capitalism and in, in society in general. I think that the people who are in charge, they don't really do anything. They just extract our work and our effort to prop themselves up and to enrich themselves, to profit themselves, without us receiving the benefits for what we do, whether that be at, at, in a job, whether that be societally, you know. Um, we vote for these people. We work for these people. Um, we don't, you know, we obey the traffic laws so that we don't get in trouble by these people, <laughs> you know. And that if we, if we realize what's going on, it doesn't take much to throw that off, even though we keep not doing it. And I think one, one of the lines here I, th- I really love, um, climbing up and over barriers that we've never known. I think that's really, that's part of why this is a rebel youth song and not just a rebel song, is that the youth, when they come into a society, youth are obviously highly critical because they're like, well, that's stupid. Why does that exist? And everyone else is like, shut up and do it. You know, but if you've never, if you've never faced that barrier, fuck that barrier, you know? <laughs> 
Like, you know, it's kind of like when women come into the workforce, they're like, why is there a glass ceiling? Fuck, fuck a glass ceiling, you know? Yeah. But, but more to the point here of, you know, why am I not receiving all the benefits of the work I do? Why, why, why does an owner deserve to keep 90% of the profits of what I do? <laughs> you know? Yeah. Maybe, maybe you could, maybe you could make an argument that there's a reason to have owners, but is 90% a reasonable number? Probably not. You know? <laughs> right. I think it's a very good, very good leftist critique of, 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 of capitalism and, and top-down society in general. It was fun chanting it as a kid and really having no clue <laughs> what the hell I was singing about. I mean, I got it, but I didn't get it, you know, kind of thing. And so, um, yeah. yeah. I think I thought of aristocrat I, as like somebody that looks like the Monopoly man or something. In exactly. Tales, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah. It was it was something I, I felt more like this was something we'd already done. Like, oh, you know, back in the back in the revolution we threw off the aristocrats, right? Right, right. <laughs> Not realizing that aristocrat is a metaphor for the people who just took their place but with with clothes that looked more like ours. Yeah. You know, like and, 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 and stopped pretending like they were different from us in such a way or, or or started pretending like they weren't as different from us. So that we, you know, oh, you can be like me someday, you mm -hmm. know, like the, the myth of the right. myth of being able to, to climb through society, you know, which like one person in a million does. And they point at that and be like, everyone can do it. Right. Yeah. This whole like <laughs> meritocracy myth and like, right. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, exactly. And so, yeah, you know, I, I definitely looking at it today, I look at it in a very different perspective than I looked at it then. And, and, and. I, I've spent a good portion of the last few weeks, you know, shouting, they want control. They need control. <laughs> They're afraid to lose all they stole. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I like how he says stole, not earned. Exactly. Or something, because I think, I mean, this would be a whole other episode, but, you know, when you start to analyze capitalism and if you look at it, um, I mean, if you look mm -hmm. at it from like Marx or somebody like that, I mean, it's basically, that's, you know. It's exploitation. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. Like, like for, 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 those of you who just heard the, heard the name Marx and had a, had a reaction right. to it, you know, <laughs> fuck the communist manifesto. Marx's critique of capitalism is unquestionable. Like it's, he nails it. <laughs> you know, he just, he has it completely right. And it's no less true today than it was back then. Yeah. I mean, I would say if, yeah, if you heard the word Marx and were like, huh? I would actually, Tell you to check that out because yeah. that, that i mean that's why we're still talking about him today exactly that's why he's known is because yeah he just has such a good critique of capitalism mm -hmm. yeah and someone would have done it you know it didn't have to be marx it could have been anyone he just was the person who wrote it at the time right you know yeah yeah joe christmas knows since they were uh exactly. quoting the communist manifesto on that album so <laughs> if you haven't listened yeah. to that episode there you go yep <laughs> So we're not going to cover cover any more songs in depth. I think they're largely really good though. Like there's just they're just kind of not single type stuff, but they're just really really good songs. Uh, you know, we get another line in Another Burning City that I think really fits that kind of same leftist critique, you know, the less that you push, the more they can pull, right? Mm. The more that we just the more that we just go about our days and keep our heads down, the more they can extract from us and, and, and demand from us. And it's kind of why, you know, like we've seen, even from the nineties, like we've seen, you know, CEO profits and, 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 and owner profits go up by orders of magnitude, whereas adjusted for inflation, all of us are still making the same thing or even less today. You know, yeah. we haven't really seen a, hu a huge change. Like, like, 
in the nineties, our parents were able to like, for the most part, like at least pay for some of our college, if, 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 if not all of it, you know, I don't know. Not that's not everybody. Right. But like, it wasn't like in the Simpsons, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a one working parent household right. and they own a house. That's not a thing today. Yeah. Like, that's just not a thing. Like, like to imagine that you could, <laughs> that, that one parent could work and, and you could own a house and live a comfortable life is a, is hilarious today. You know, like that's what we're living in that, that we've seen this happen so fast that we can think back to in one generation to how, how poorly this has gone. This, this, this rewarding of of the owner class and and how money keeps flowing up to the top it never 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 trickles down exactly i felt like the rest of these songs were kind of in the same vein and they're good i don't know if they're better though than the ones we talked about which no is why we're not. I, the reason i want to talk about the first half of the album is because it's that's as good as it gets like the rest of the album is good but the first half is as good as it gets yeah i agree What do you think overall, Jay? Yeah, I like I said before, I liked it quite a bit more. Well, I liked it back in the day, but I liked it more than I thought I would like it now. How about that? Because um, mm-hmm. I hadn't really listened to it since then. Again, my only critique is maybe in some places the production is almost a little too shiny for the mm-hmm. style of music it is. Um, yeah. But as we heard from the demo, I think the vocals are way better with the production. Um, <laughs> yeah. So, and the guitars, I think, are less mushy. You know, I think there were a lot of the guitars were there, but what they did sharpen up is good. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think I've always kind of liked the cover art, and yeah, right. Which is also interesting because the demo he had made a cover for it. That's basically the same thing. Like they, yeah. I'll give the Dingies credit; they had a lot of vision for what they were doing, and they didn't alter it mm-hmm. much. Actually, you know. Yeah. Yeah, they 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 kind of like you know. I think we've only really seen this super hardcore in Joe Christmas so far, where they they it was them doing this, you know, it, it like from from like one side to the other. Like there wasn't really like a marketing department that came in and said, "We'll handle this part for you," you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, where you know we've just recently talked about DC Talk or Audio Adrenaline yeah. or something, which I feel like is the exact opposite, right? So, but, but even MXPX, you know, like MXPX didn't design that album cover, you know, any of their album covers, you know, they may have had ideas, but they didn't bring in a hand sketch of, <laughs> of an idea. They, and honestly, I think the hand sketch might be better than the final yeah. album cover. Although they, I, th- I think the album cover, it, I think the album cover that ended up on shelves sold better probably. Right. Um, whereas there's there's some real like skater punk energy in the uh, in the original hand drawn album cover. Yeah, yeah. Um, but they have a lot of similarities. I, I really like that in both of them they have the skull, um, a, a dotting the eye and dingies, you know. Um, and there's a uh, let me pull it up here actually. Or in massive, sorry. Um, and they use a uh, I think in the original one in the original album cover they use a. Uh, uh, what do you call this right here? A radiation symbol that stands out more for the mm. O in Armageddon stands out a little bit better. But overall, I think it's just a, it's a great cover. I'll also mention that you don't have this in your hands, which I do. And you, you can't really tell from the scans is that it has this kind of like silvery shine to it. I remember like, that. It, yeah, yeah. Yeah. 
And even on these interior, like it really stood out on this interior page that's kind of like a teal, you know, mm-hmm. turquoise type thing. And that silver shine over that, just like, it just like popped, you know? Yeah. <laughs> it just looked really good. Any other last thoughts you had on Clifton before you kind of tell us where they are now? Yeah, like I said, I, you've already said, you know, that it stands up. It's a really good album, you know, it's it's just, there's, I can, a lot of the stuff that we listen to for this podcast, if someone hears me listening to it, I'm like, oh, I do this podcast right. where we listen to Christian music, <laughs> yeah, you know. Yeah. And, <laughs> right. Whereas this one, I can just put it on and be like, yeah! Yeah, true. Anyone want to listen to this with me? Fair. <laughs> Completely. Yeah. <laughs> There's no part of this that I feel self-conscious about or a little bit embarrassed about. I just, this is a really good album. Right. Clifton, where are they now? This is going to be a long one, I bet. <laughs> uh, I can sum it up pretty quickly, actually. Um, so after Armageddon Massive um, and the tour, uh, Jeff Holmes left the band and the final form of the band congealed. Um, and they went on to record two more albums for BEC slash Tooth and Nail, including Sunset uh Sundown to Midnight in 1999. That was on BEC. And their final album for uh, for Tooth and Nail was actually on Tooth and Nail, The Crucial Conspiracy in 2001. And uh, after that, they got an email from Brandon, like literally they got an email from Brandon just letting them know that Tooth and Nail wouldn't be publishing any more of their albums. What? Uh, yeah. <laughs> but after this album, I will say, you know, that they went more the reggae direction I, I don't think any of the other albums were as good. They weren't like, this is a great album and none of them are great. The, the, the punk songs are slower and I just, I never gelled with a whole album of the reggae stuff or, or, or an album of mostly the reggae stuff, you know? Yeah. Um, and also during that time, the band really struggled and they really like, this is something he talked to uh, Peggy talked about quite a bit that he, they really struggled with this, you know, not enjoying promoting themselves and playing shows in the tooth and nail slash Christian world, but also finding it really hard to find any legitimacy in the, the quote unquote real world, you know? And it's just, it's, it's one of those things that like, you know, we often used to make fun of bands, you know, like, Oh, are they a real band? Or like, are they a real Christian band? Are they just using the Christian scene to like get some attention? Because like it or not, there's just so many bands and and not the in the regular scene, you know, <laughs> and it's easier to get that attention in the Christian scene, but they 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 had a hard time finding that legitimacy in in the Christian scene. But the band did actually go on to record a fourth album. Uh, they took several years to write and record it because they were doing it on their own without a without a studio. It's called the Rebel Sounds uh, the Rebel Soul Sound System which was probably completed somewhere around 2006, but it wasn't released until Pegleg put it up on a free download site in 2010. Mm. Individually, I don't know a lot. Jeff Holmes, I couldn't find anything for him, except that on Discogs, it links his name to another Jeff Holmes that's in a band called The Floating Men, but I'm pretty sure it's not the same Jeff Holmes because that is a like a country-inspired soft rock band on the east coast so i don't think it's the same person <laughs> and they've been around since like 93 and they still make music today but anyways i don't think that's the same person dave he re- he records some today under under the moniker beta max dc and um peg Leg actually helps him do quite a bit of that 
Ethan Luck has gone on to play drums for like so many bands. Uh, Demon Hunter, Reliant K, The Supertones, Gorilla Rodeo, My Red Hot Nightmare, Grand Imbecile, and the Ethan Ethan Luck and the High Pressure System. Um, he has a great episode of uh, Growing Up Punk if you want to check that out. And from here, you might be forgiven for thinking, well, we haven't heard from the Dingies since 2010, so I guess they're not around anymore. But you'd be wrong, because here's what's going on. Those guys have continued to make music, but they just haven't published anything under the name The Dingies since then. So in, in 2018, they released an album called Fourth Wave and Second Set under the name Peg and the Rejected, which is basically all The Dingies guys, but it's a Skull album. And they said that... um. They released it under a different name because the Dingies aren't a ska band. So, so since this is only a ska album, they released it under a different name. Um, Pegleg has also done some uh, some solo stuff in 2018. He re- released an album called uh, Word Power under the name Dread Pirate Roberts, um, which is pretty good uh, since his name is Pegleg and his last name is Roberts. He's also released a couple of EPs there. And there's also what's the other band Jay that they that they've released uh, stuff Staphlos under Staphlos or something like that? Does that sound right? Yeah, S T A F L O S Staphlos, and that's mostly the same guys again. It's not exactly the same guys, but like like Dave's involved in it. Obviously, Pegling's in there. Ethan Luck is in there. But yeah, so so these this group of people are still releasing albums even through today. So check it out. They're they're honestly good. They're really good. They're not, I don't think any of them rise to this level, especially if punk and ska are what you're interested in. But this, that ska album is pretty good. And even on the My Carrera show, uh, a podcast, Pegleg mentioned that he really does want to actually do a for real Dingy's album uh, again sometime soon. Yeah, I listened to just briefly some of that newest stuff, and it's really good. Like, yeah, I think they just continue to get better. <laughs> yes yeah yeah so definitely check it out we'll put it all in the show notes um we'll put it up at the top of the show notes so you can find it more easily than scrolling through a bunch of stuff uh but yeah go go check that stuff out clifton do you have an award for this album yeah i'm gonna i'm gonna call this uh, award the uh left-wing mustard seed that started out as the smallest seed as we all know the mustard seed but no there's no smaller seeds in that and it was planted in my heart and it grew into. <laughs> Something so much bigger. <laughs> yes. Beautiful. Thank you. next time i don't know jay what do you want to do next time so i i had a a random well i'm of two minds this one really was not really that christian so we could do something that's like more <laughs> christian or <Okay. laughs> 
we could do something kind of off and left field that I saw on my list that I thought, oh, this would be fun, but it's not, it's going to be like, I'll tell you the, the problem. There's definitely no lyrics. I mean, there's lyrics okay. to the songs, but they're not, we're not going to find them. So we it's, don't have them, it's one right. of those albums. Yeah. And they're, you're not going to find them. I don't think, <clears throat> but it could be fun and it's real different. Uh, we could do Jatinder Paul. I'm just saying if you want we have to do it eventually right i I thought that's where you were gonna go (laughs) let's do it let's do it okay do you know what it's from 1997 it is their debut album here's the title just by the way trying signals the histrionics of suggestion that should probably tell you a little bit about where we're going with all right very different is what we're doing here um yeah Thank you for joining us for another episode of Your Music Saved Us. If you enjoyed your time with us, please leave us a review or share this episode. Visit patreon.com slash YMSU to to contribute and get extended episodes. Visit our website, yourmusicsavedus.com to find out all the ways to listen. We're on Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, and Facebook. Join our Facebook group or follow us to keep up with the latest or interact with us and send complaints and disagreements to yourmusicsavedus at gmail.com. The music in this episode is the work of the Dingies and is, is used with apologies, not permission. Uh, we mentioned all the bands that they are releasing names or releasing under these days. Uh, Peg Lake and the Rejected, the Dread Pirate Roberts, and I'll look it up again here. Staflos, S-T-A-F-L-O-S. Go out and listen to it. It's on Bandcamp. Um, yeah. Also, I will say the Dingies have a Bandcamp page where they are selling T-shirts and buttons and patches still of Dingy stuff. Nice. So and probably and probably that final album, right? Yeah, actually, all their albums. Strangely, um, oh, so get on fantastic. there and buy them. Yeah. Okay, go support the guys. Thanks. Bye. <laughs>